Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew. Today, Pastor Matthew continues in the Bible series in the Book of Romans with this message entitled, Christian Counseling, preached July 29th, 2012. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Romans chapter 15, verse 14. Competent to counsel. Maybe you can read three books my professor J. Adams' book, Competent to Counsel. J.I. Packer, Knowing God. David F. Wells, No Place for Truth. Competent to Counsel. The Roman church was not founded by an apostle. It is my view that it was established by those visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, who came to Jerusalem for the feast of Pentecost, as we read in Acts chapter 2, 10 and 11. These became believers as they listened to the powerful preaching of the gospel by St. Peter and returned to Rome to become witnesses to the gospel of Jesus Christ. St. Paul acknowledged that he did not establish the Roman church. He did not build on foundation laid by another. Yet as an apostle he had authority to minister to the Jews as well as to the Gentiles. He was especially called to be an apostle to the Gentiles. He had also information concerning the Roman church from friends in that church. A number of these friends are listed in the next chapter, chapter 16, such as Priscilla and Aquila, who were highly learned in the scriptures, who taught the scholar Apollos the gospel more accurately as we read in Acts 18. The faith of these Roman saints was known throughout the world. So Romans 1.8 says, First I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. Romans 16 verse 19 says, Everyone has heard about your obedience. So I am full of joy over you. These were very knowledgeable in the scriptures. Let me tell you, even today, most evangelical Christians do not know much about Paul's letter to the Romans. Yet, Paul wrote this profound epistle to the Roman Christians 
who were able to understand its heavenly message. Romans 15 verse 14 complements the Roman church. It reveals the marks of a true church, the marks of a true Christian. Full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, therefore competent to counsel one another. In this verse, Paul commends the Roman church for their relative spiritual maturity. First, he calls them my brothers. And you find this word brothers throughout the epistle. He first used it in chapter 1, verse 13. I do not want you to be ignorant brothers. The church consisted of a Jewish minority and a Gentile majority. Yet they were all born of the Holy Spirit and so children of the Heavenly Father. They were younger brothers of Jesus Christ. They all belonged to the family of God and indwelt by the Holy Spirit. They were all vitally united to Jesus Christ. So they were all brothers and sisters. Once they were all sinners, now they all became saints. So Paul loves them all and calls them Adelphoi Mu, my brothers. Second, he speaks about his conviction. He is convinced beyond a shadow of doubt, as he was convinced of the security of his salvation, as stated in Romans 8 and verse 38, where we read, For I am convinced that neither death nor life shall separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This conviction regarding the faith of the Roman saints was based on evidence. We spoke of his friends who gave him information. And also... Holy Spirit himself gave him revelation. His conviction was unshakable. Observe the perfect tense. Pepesmai. A conviction attained in the past and continues to be true. It is a genuine compliment. The very excellency of this letter proves this point of their competence in the Christian doctrine and ethics. Number three, we are told they were full of goodness. Agathosune. St. Paul dealt with the pervasiveness 
of the evil of unbelievers in chapter 1 through chapter 3 verse 23. And in that section he said there is no one who does good. Not even one. Every son and daughter of fallen Adam is conceived in sin. Born a sinner. And practices only sin daily. You don't like to hear that. That's the truth, sir. If you are not a Christian, that's a truth. You are deceived into thinking you are a righteous person. You are a Pharisee if you think you are righteous. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Conceived in sin, born a sinner and practices only sin daily. And so he can only sin. He does no good because only good man does good. The Bible says everyone is a sinner. Paul told us every man is full of evil. And he gave us a long list, maybe the longest list of sin in Romans 1, 28 through 32. And there he says, furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind, corrupt, rotten mind. To do what ought not to be done, they have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, depravity, and so on. He knows God from creation. He knows God from his own conscience. And he knows God as you do by listening to the preaching of the word that is from the canon of scriptures. Yet he is actively engaged in suppressing this truth by doing only evil. Thus man shows his active hostility to God who alone is good. Jeremiah was right when he said the heart is deceitful. Your mind is deceiving you into thinking you are okay. I am okay, you are okay. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And who can know it? Who can understand it? Only the Lord can. Jesus Christ himself said in Mark 7, From within out of men's hearts come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, Murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. These Romans were also once dead in trespasses and sins. But now they were made alive by God's Holy Spirit. 
they were saved by grace through faith which is god's free gift we are told these roman saints became god's new creation created in christ jesus for the singular purpose of doing good works god alone is good and he alone is mighty to make a sinner into a saint a doer of wickedness to a doer of good works well pleasing to god so he said in romans 12 therefore i urge you brothers in view of god's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to god then you will be able to test and approve what god's will is his good pleasing and perfect will the romans believed the gospel as stated in romans 3:23 and 25 for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of god and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by christ jesus god presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood he did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished and so on friends bad tree only can produce bad fruit only good tree produces good fruit but god is able to make a bad tree good tree by regeneration by the word and the holy spirit he takes away the stony and wicked and stubborn and rebellious and sinful heart and gives us a heart that thinks god's thoughts wills his holy will and feels the way god feels loving the good and hating the evil and you read recently in first samuel 24 verse 13 which says as the old saying goes from evil doers come evil deeds matthew 12 33 and 34 tells you make a tree good and its fruit will be good or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad for a tree is known by its fruit you brood of vipers this is what jesus spoke about religious leaders brood of vipers how can you who are evil say anything good for out of the abundance of the heart mouth speaks or look at what jesus said in luke chapter 643 through 45 no good tree bears bad fruit nor does a bad tree bear good fruit each tree is known by its own fruit and then he says the good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart 
So the Roman Christians are what sir full of goodness. For they have been made good trees. They have been united with Christ. And so Paul tells us in Romans 5 verse 1. Therefore since we have been justified through faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we are told in chapter 6 of Romans. What shall we say then? Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death, union with Christ. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, through the power of the Father, we too may live a new life. And we read in Romans 8, 1, therefore there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And we read again in Romans 8, 9 and 10, you however are controlled not by the flesh but by the Holy Spirit if the Spirit of God lives in you. These Romans therefore confessed And believed in Jesus Christ as Lord. They are full of goodness. That is their character. Their nature is goodness. They have divine nature. They were once what's a darkness. But now they are light in the Lord. What a radical change. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. They were called to be saints. They were called to the obedience of faith. The term agathosune appears in the New Testament only in Paul, not in classical Greek. Goodness, it is, flowing out of saving faith in the gospel in Jesus Christ. And the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, the miracle. Of salvation. This goodness is good works. It is loving God and loving one another. It is kindness and generosity toward others. It is knowing and doing God's holy will. They are full of goodness, not half empty. Full. When we are filled with the Holy Ghost, we are also filled with goodness, which is a fruit of the Spirit. This goodness, I tell you, is a necessary prerequisite for counseling others who are in need. Those full of goodness also oppose all evil ideas. And evil deeds. 
This goodness is not our native disposition. It is moral excellence created by the spirit of God in God's people. It is moral and ethical goodness. Those who are full of goodness, they are like God who alone is good in himself. This does not mean that the Romans were perfect. They were moving toward perfection, toward glorification, which is also our destiny. Number four, we are told, filled with all knowledge. They were not dull in their heads as we read about the Hebrews in chapter 5, verse 11 and 12. They grew in knowledge of God's word. Grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, St. Peter said in his second epistle. A believer keeps on growing in the knowledge of all reality from God's word. He is filled and he is being filled with the Holy Spirit and knowledge of God which the Holy Spirit teaches us from the Holy Scriptures. Stupid Christians cannot counsel anyone. Those competent to counsel are full of goodness and full of all knowledge. Therefore, they need to know God One God existing in three persons, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That creation is the work of this God who permitted the fall. That there is sin in the world. There are good angels and there are demons. There is a devil, a personal devil. All sons of Adam are sinners. The wrath of God abides upon them. Salvation from God's wrath comes to all who repent and believe in the sinless son of God who by his life and death atoned their sins. Christ died for our sins and was raised for our justification. This Christ is coming again to glorify his people and judge all his enemies. He is coming again to deal with all evil once for all. He will create a new world without evil. A new heaven and a new earth, a paradise where God shall dwell with his holy people. There will be perfection. That will be perfection. That will be happiness beyond description. Without this knowledge of God in Jesus Christ, let me tell you, friend, no one can be saved. No one. We are told 
Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Acts 4 and verse 12, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we may be saved. What does it profit if you gain the whole world and fail to have this knowledge of Jesus Christ? Pluralism of religion cannot save anyone. Neither inclusivism or universalism of Christianity. You must believe in exclusivism. That Jesus Christ alone is the savior of the world. There is no one else. All other human ideas are lies. From the father of all lies. This knowledge that makes one competent to counsel comes not from science or hollow philosophy or psychology. It comes only from the Holy Scriptures. As you read in Acts chapter 20 and verse 32, Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. The ancient church devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine. And we read in 2 Timothy, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation. Isaiah in chapter 11 says, Holy Spirit is the spirit of wisdom, understanding, counsel, and knowledge. Knowledge comes from the Holy Spirit. He is the spirit of truth. Not a theoretical dead orthodoxy, but the gospel that is lived out. To know the state of evangelicalism in this country. Read David F. Wells' book, No Place for Truth, published in 1993. He says, evangelicalism as a religious force in American life is dead or in the process of dying because it has abandoned any serious commitment to truth. He is a professor at Gordon Theological Seminary. I say most evangelicals do not know truth nor practice truth. Now about 20 years passed after that book was published. I say evangelicalism is dead. The Romans were filled with all knowledge. Knowledge of God in Christ and knowledge of the world he created. Knowledge we need is the knowledge of the Bible. Knowledge of salvation. Knowledge of salvation history. Knowledge of the person and work of Jesus Christ. 
Simply put, knowledge of the gospel. Let me tell you, friends, entertainment cannot save us. Subjectivism and mysticism or false Pentecostalism and charismatic movement cannot save anybody. Holo philosophy cannot save us. Shakespeare cannot save us. Steinbeck cannot save us. Movies cannot save us. Technology or money cannot save us. The question is, do you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? For we read about Jesus in Colossians 1.19, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And we read in Colossians 2, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ all the fullness of The deity lives in bodily form and you have been given fullness in Christ who is the head of over every power and authority. And St. Paul says, let's find out what was he interested in knowing. He tells the Corinthians, when I came to you brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified and in Galatians 6 he says may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I under the world Jesus, friends, condemned the Jewish religious leaders for the high treason and crime of taking away the key of knowledge from the people. This is the crime the churches have committed. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. So, Jesus said, Woe to you, experts in the law! Because you have taken away the key to knowledge. You yourselves have not entered. And you have hindered those who were entering. In Matthew 23, Jesus says, Woe to the teachers of the law and Pharisees and hypocrites. You shut the kingdom of heaven in men's faces. You yourselves do not enter nor will you let those enter who are trying to. This is the state of churches today. True knowledge is knowing God from the scriptures taught by the Holy Spirit through Christ appointed pastors and teachers. True knowledge is relational. This is eternal life that they may know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. True knowledge shows itself in a life of reverence 
and delightful obedience to God's law. True knowledge, as we read today, Hebrews 8, is to love God and to obey God. And finally, the point is able to counsel one another. Those who are able to counsel are full of goodness and filled with all knowledge of God's truth. They are dunamenoi. They are powerful to counsel others who need such counsel. Because they are powered by the Holy Spirit who dwells in them. Ye shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. We read in verse 13 of chapter 15 of Romans. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Without the Pentecostal power of the Holy Spirit. We can do nothing. So we are commanded in Ephesians 5 verse 18. Be being filled with the spirit. And so when we are filled with the spirit. We love one another. We edify one another. We receive one another. And now we are told we counsel one another. The Roman believers were able to counsel one another. We all need counsel, sir. You are stupid and you are a fool if you think you don't need any counsel. That itself is a sign you are demon-controlled and demon-possessed. Because the sin that made the devil, the devil was arrogance. Of course, the church has members in various stages of spiritual growth. There are infants, children, young people, and mature adults. Everyone needs counsel. Yet the more mature people are to counsel others. That means if you are mature, you are better suited to give counsel. Parents are to counsel children. Ephesians 6, 4, which is the same word here, nuthesia, means to warn, to admonish, to rebuke, to correct, to instruct, and so on. Pastors called of God, appointed by Christ, and trained in the scriptures are especially qualified to counsel those in need of biblical counsel. The unbelievers are blinded by the devil. And we are told in Romans they have a mind noose that is depraved. A document. And the Bible says we have the mind of Christ. Counsel, the word nuthetain means, comes from two words, noose and tithemi. That is to put the word of God into the mind that the counselee obey it to bring about life transformation. So the lazy 
is asked to work six days to support his family, the church, and the needy. The husband is asked to love the wife even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. The wife is counseled to submit to her own husband in everything out of love for Christ. Children are counseled to obey parents in everything. A thief is to stop stealing and work with his hands to give to those in need. Those who are reluctant to forgive are counseled to forgive one another as God in Christ forgave him. So what is counseling? This counseling describes an effect on the will and disposition and presupposes an opposition to the will of God which has to be overcome. It is warning and admonishing to correct something that is wrong within the counselee. It is to bring the truth of God's word to bear on the mind and conscience leading to fundamental change in attitude and action. The counselee aims at rebuke by the word to bring about biblical obedience. So Colossians 3.16 let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish. That's the word. That's the word. One another. With all wisdom. And as you sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs and so on. Colossians 1.28 we proclaim admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom. And so on. He puts in the mind of the counselee of duty, especially when it is transgressed. Bishop Nigren says, as long as the church lives in the world, it cannot dispense with mutual admonitions. The counsel involves, friends, instruction, rebuke, correction, warning, and admonition. The predominant meaning of nuthatain is warning or admonition. Friends, so the best counselors are true believers, mature believers, especially pastors, whose counsel is not based on the medical model of the secularists, but the moral model of the Christian scriptures the infallible word of God. This biblical counseling aims to bring every thought of the counselee to the obedience of Jesus Christ. Second Corinthians 10 and verse 5. We read of counseling or lack thereof even in the Old Testament. Let me give you some example. Eli failed to counsel his children. He knew the law. It was his job to teach the law. He failed to warn, admonish, and discipline his children. God killed them all. Samuel counseled Saul several times. He refused to listen. And Saul was destroyed. Nathan rebuked and warned David because of his wickedness. 
and he gave heed to the counsel and he was restored. Rehoboam rejected the counsel of the elders. He listened to the counsel of his peers, the wicked young friends. Rehoboam was destroyed. David failed to counsel and discipline his children. They were killed. Prophet Hanani counseled Asa, but he failed to listen and he was destroyed. Ahab preferred the counsel of 400 demonized prophets and did not pay attention to the sound counsel of Micaiah and he was killed. Friends, Jesus is the wonderful counselor. The Holy Spirit rested upon him, granting him wisdom, understanding, counsel, knowledge, and power. True counsel is based not on man's word, but on God's word. So we read in Isaiah 8, when men tell you to consult mediums and spirits, who whisper and mutter. You can put psychiatrists, psychologists, and and all that. Who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living to the law and to the testimony? If they do not speak according to this word, they have no light of let me tell you biblical counsel warning rebuke and correction is also based on love Jesus said Revelation 3.19 those whom I love I rebuke and discipline so be earnest and repent biblical counsel is based on love and its goal also is love. First Timothy 1.5, the goal of this commandment is love. And the biblical counsel is done especially by ministers. Because they are most competent. First Timothy 5.12, now we ask you brothers to respect those who work hard among you who are over you in the Lord and who admonish you. Friends, everybody lives by counsel. You read Psalm 1. It says, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Everyone needs counsel. Counsel of the wicked, of the devil, or counsel of the Lord, of the scriptures. Friends, rejection of the counsel of the word of God results in eternal destruction. Let me read to you from Proverbs 1, 28 through 31. Then they will call to me but I will not answer they will look for me but will not find me since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord since they would not accept my counsel and spurned my rebuke 
They will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. Proverbs 14 verse 12, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to destruction. Friends, true counseling is not suggestive, but what? Directive. In the authority of Christ, the counselor directs the counselee and saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. And Professor J. Adams told us, six weeks of obedience means you will get into the habit of doing what is right. And let me tell you, friends, a a true biblical counselor is not worried about the present pain the counsel inflicts upon you. But he looks forward to the future fruit of righteousness, peace, and holiness, without which no one can see God. So we read in Hebrews 12, our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. And the counselor therefore keeps on counseling, Paul says, even with tears, with compassion and with sympathy. Let me ask you these questions. Are you a true believer? Have you trusted in Jesus Christ alone and be baptized and join the church of Jesus Christ? And are you a brother in Christ? Number two, make your calling and election sure. You know, fruitless branches are cut and thrown out, dried up, gathered, and burned. To them it will be said, depart from me. The door is shut. Are you full of goodness, let me ask you? Not your definition of it. Are you filled with all knowledge? Not Moby Dick, not Shakespeare, not movies, fireproof, courageous. No movie is going to save you. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit who gives us wisdom, understanding, counsel, knowledge, power, and fear of the Lord? Let me ask you, do you care for the erring brothers and sisters and warn them by counseling them according to the scriptures? And if you are a child of God, you will do it. Number seven, are you growing in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Heavenly Father, we pray that you help us to be full of goodness, full of all knowledge, powerful to counsel one another, that we may all grow in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. 
We pray that you help us today to do what we heard in Jesus' name. Amen.